Someone asked me recently, what is the coolest part of my job as CEO at Clear Motor Market? I said, well, that's easy. The fact that every day I get to dig into our clients' businesses to learn not only what makes it tick, but what we can do as their partner to deliver the marketing that truly matters to their business. It's like being in a living, breathing case study every day. And for that, I am truly blessed. Hello, Collisions YYC listeners. It's with an overwhelming sense of pride that I wanted to share with you that the marketing agency that I had the pleasure of co-founding and leading is turning 15 years old. Yes, Clear Motive Marketing is 15. I wanted to shout out a huge thank you to all of our clients, past and present, as well as our vendors and all of the incredible team members we've worked with over the years to make this milestone possible. Check us out at clearmotive.ca to learn more about what we can do that matters to you. Hello and a warm collisions YYC. Welcome to my guest, my special guest this morning, Ms. Tara Weber. How are you doing, Tara? Good. Thanks for having me. Oh, so amazing to have a, I'm not going to say the word fellow uh, media personality on, having yeah. someone who does this, uh, does not this, but does it for a living and has been, I've been creeping on your LinkedIn and you've lived and 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 grown up, I would say, in the world of media and the world of news. And so really, really cool to to have you on. I can't remember, I can't remember how we got even introduced, but Calgary conspires, I think. Yes, we had some really well-known friends, Jerry and... Oh, yeah. yes. Good old Jerry Greenall. Cindy. Yes. I, yes. When Jerry and Cindy give an intro, I just say yes and, and meet whoever they send up on the, on the other end of the line. <laughs> so you're Western Bureau Chief at BNN Bloomberg. So for most people, they're gonna, my audience is going to be pretty well versed on you and who you are and what you do. But let's give us the quick. If, if for some reason somebody's like, who's Tara? How, who is this person? What do, you, what do you do? What fills up your days? And uh, what gets you out of bed in the morning? Ooh, that's a good question. So I basically report on news out of Western Canada. So that could be everything from BC to Alberta to Saskatchewan and talking about news that really affects the overall Canadian economy. So a lot of my mm-hmm. coverage focuses on resources. So that's what we do really well as Canadians. And so that could be, you know, lumber and then big oil and gas in Alberta, potash, helium's been really interesting, just different sectors that are contributing to Canada as a whole and pushing us forward. Oh, amazing. Um, oh, so, so many, so many rabbit holes we, we can go down. <laughs> Um, how long have you been, how long have you been in this, this game? And I say that in a very broad sense of the term. <laughs> okay. So this is really, I'm not even going to date myself, but back <laughs> in grade 10, I had okay. a career and personal planning teacher who we had to go and do uh, an internship somewhere in the community. And so I didn't know where to go. And he said, you need to go work at a local radio station. So I guess I talk too much. And so that's what happened. So ever since then I've been in media. Yeah. Since grade 10. Well, good for them for identifying your strengths. I got yelled at for talking too much in school, but that's another story. Um, and also my voice was like, Tyler, you're talking. I'm like, well, so is everyone else, but why am I getting Anyways, I didn't have a career counselor that guided me that way, but yet I discovered the role of podcasting and uh, my wife does laugh that apparently I do like the sound of my own voice as well. So, <laughs> Did you always get that on your report cards where it says disrupts other students too much? Yes. And, well, yeah. <laughs> have, have you been, did you come across that permit? Well, you are an reporter. Have you, did you come across that permanent file I was always threatened with uh, when I was younger that it will be put in? I've never seen it show up, but I was always told that there was going to be something in there and it was going to come back to haunt me. <laughs> it took a lot of digging, but I have my hands on it. Oh, okay. Well, that's a whole nother. Okay. I got to go. This is weird. My days <laughs> just got filled up. No. Um, you've been in this game for a long time. I want to get into some of the nuts and bolts of what you're seeing across Western Canada and you know some of the rabbit holes we can go down, but I have some just maybe broad, the news cycle, the level, the speed of change, the intensity. Is it because things are changing fast? You've been in this world for a long time. Is it because of the way we digest the information? I don't know, just kind of your broad perspective on, it's hard to feel like you can keep up. You take a, you take a media holiday and you come back and you're like, I don't even know what's going on. And, and 
Should I be worried? I don't know because it's going to change tomorrow. Is that just my perception or someone who's lived in the space? What's your take on that? Oh, I feel like it's even worse for me if I take a week <laughs> off and I come back and then all of a sudden I'm on a story. There's already been um, four or five different changes to it before I even get assigned it. So uh, yeah, it takes a lot more digging now than it used to. Plus there's so much more you're doing solo than you ever did before. Uh, the like industry's when, really leaned out on you, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you don't have that same level of collaboration, which also mm-hmm. fed into, I think, better stories and different thoughts going into stories as well. So for example, when I first started, you'd have a cameraman, you'd have an editor, you'd have yourself, you know, there'd be more of a team, but we've seen this industry really shrink and continue to shrink. And it's harder now to not only find that collaboration, but also find the time yourself to put enough thought into things. So yeah, I think it's being squeezed and I think it's a huge detriment really to Canada and the world. Yeah. From a news perspective and where we get our information from and the the short lived quick, you know, candy style, quick bites that disappear and does it really. And we, unfortunately, I think sometimes form very drastic or very deliberate opinions on very little information, Yes, (laughs) which is another paradigm. (laughs) Well, and you see also a lot of these sites popping up that are more blog sites, but almost disguising themselves as real news sites. And so they Mm -hmm. don't have to get different perspectives into an article. And then with the algorithms, it feeds into people who already think a certain way, just getting that repetition and it's backing up what they're already thinking and they don't get that breadth of knowledge anymore. And you hear that? Is it? Are we running? Is that cycle running its course, or is it still continuing to? I'll use the word worsen, just my own term. On like that, it's not maybe beneficial for us as individuals looking to find out what's going on. Um, you like to like to hear that people are like, no, no. There's a little bit more of appreciation for good news or good, good, solid, trustworthy. Is that true, or is that maybe just a wishful thinking? <laughs> I think it depends who you're talking to. Yeah, I think enough. we're all habits of comfort and. People don't like to be challenged in their views, and so they tend to go to sites or news agencies that back those up as opposed to looking at a wide breadth and trying to be challenged and thinking of different ways to, you know, think about the way the, the way in which they already think. Yeah, thinking about your thinking. Cognitive biases are real, and we tend to reinforce them. And then we go, no, I'm using the scientific one. Like, then you'd be trying to disprove everything you believe versus going to where I like what you said. It's, it's a little bit comfortable. I'm stressed. I've had a busy day. I want to numb out. I'm going to probably do that with something that aligns, not challenges me more. <laughs> yeah. Mm. And I mean, even if you just think about comfort, are we likely to turn on the news anymore? Or are we likely to turn on Netflix or yeah, yeah, an true. easy show? You know, I don't even know if people read as much as they used to. So I don't know when we say it's getting worse. I think for... Some people it's getting worse. Others are trying to fight against it, but we'll see where it goes. It's it's very volatile and very changing right now, I think, when it yeah, comes I to- think, Well, I think it's, is anyone who's consuming information and we, fake news, what's real, what's not real, like you can't, what, what, no matter what you believe, I think you can't miss that message that's going on. So bring it back to your, like the day-to-day of, of you- kind of grinding it out with a business focused audience and reporting into the business community, which uh, hopefully moves away from some of the other noisiness that happens in, 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 in the news cycles. Uh, how many, like what, what's your week look like? like? How many stories, how many different topics? And then we'll get, I'm just so curious about your world. I'm asking all these questions. Hope the audience is curious. Cause I certainly am. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's great. I, it really depends on the day. Some days are full to the tilt. So, um, if I say the World Petroleum Congress last week, yeah. that was constant. There was multiple interviews every day, running around trying to also organize the schedules of our guests. And because it's just me, I was trying to 
and try to figure out where I'd be meeting somebody. And so if somebody was meeting, asking about what was happening on Thursday, but it's still only Monday or Tuesday, I, you almost push that off because you can't deal with it until the day of. So some days are a lot more difficult than others and, you know, running um, full speed. And then other days are quite a bit slower. So for example, today, um, I haven't done what we call a hit yet, which is going on air and talking about something. Um, the thing that I was going to do this morning, um, the producer didn't want. And then I also just pitched the IEA, um, inventory levels on oil. So that hasn't made any, um, traction either. So just kind of waiting to see what happens. So it's more trying to find stuff and then pitching it out there and hoping somebody gets back to you. No, from an, just thinking from an adrenal perspective, from the like, oh, it's happening, boom, it's not happening, it's happening. Like, how do you manage your own energy through that? That's got to be. This is really turning into the world of Tara, of Tara here for a second. But how do you manage that energy? Because that's like the bullets are flying. Okay, they're not. Okay, they're oh, they're not. That's a tough cycle to kind of come in and out of, and then show up on air, composed, calm, and deliberately d- delivering trustworthy information. <laughs> You know, that's a really interesting point. I never thought about it. I'm definitely a procrastinator. So even when I have to get something going, I wait until I know I have that burst of speed energy. I don't know if it's stress and just get it done. Well, your world's also training you to do that. So it's maybe maybe chicken, cart, horse, chicken, egg. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, fair enough. But I, I do find it hard to relax, to be fair. So maybe that's something I need to look at as well. Our industry doesn't <laughs> well, We're do not going to well. turn this into a coaching or counseling session. This, that was not, a, well, maybe, I don't know. That was not where that was. But I'm just really thinking about how fast and how quick that news cycle is and being that person who's literally running around town, you know, getting that image of you running around at the World Petroleum Congress to, to do that. So let's let's talk about some subject matter. You've, okay. you, you're based in Alberta. You do a lot of work in the resource industry. You're at the World Petroleum Congress. What are you seeing? What are some of the, I guess, um, you know, I chatted before about some of the themes that just keep coming back around that are evolving or some of the, some of the, the news, because you've got to be absorbing it as well as delivering it and jumping to the next story. So that's an interesting balance for you to kind of what you're seeing. Oh, that's coming around again or again. That's what I'm kind of more curious about. Mm. You know, one thing that struck me most recently is I do feel that we're starting to all be on the same page when it comes Hmm. to resource development, um, reducing emissions, the idea of where we're going. I remember even five years ago, I'd had conversations with friends of mine who are very environmentalist and very anti-Alberta. And I was saying they just didn't get it or, you know, (laughs) it it really, these are huge machines that are turning, you know, and all moving this direction and they're trying to but maybe not as fast as these smaller groups would like them to. And then in the last even six months, there's been this conversation with a lot of them who are saying, yeah, like who was it the other day? I was talking with somebody who's um, with a wind farm company in Quebec, and she was saying she just didn't feel these big companies were doing enough for so long. But in the last little while, she started to realize the lack of funding in her sector and what that means um, to oh, move renewables so. along and how it really is a whole that needs to come together and everybody. And she's starting to feel that's on the same page too. Whereas before it was more of a blame game, I feel like. Mm. And now it's starting to, everyone's understanding the huge challenge that's ahead. Well, there was a, such a narrative and that if you were pro-energy, you were anti-environment. If you were pro-environment, you were anti-energy. I'm just using the word energy in a broad term because, you know, yes, the resource sector has got a huge weighting in Western Canada on the fossil fuels. and But at the same time, we're in a place where energy abundance is something I think people are in accessibility to like low cost or affordable energy. It's starting to become a broader conversation. So I, I, I'm, I'm 
It gives me hope to hear you say that. <laughs> yeah, well, even one of the really interesting conversations at the World Petroleum Congress was the idea of energy equity and how we're really privileged in Canada to be able to say, how are we transitioning? How are we doing all this differently? Because we already have everything to start with, where there's so many other countries that were saying we don't even have access to electricity to boil a pot of water to make tea in some of our rural communities. Yeah, rolling brownouts and all the things that we just don't have to deal with here in, in Canada for the most part, right? For the yeah. most part. Yeah, there are yeah. still some communities, yeah, there of are. course, but, but we're really lucky to be able to think, let's have that conversation as opposed to these other places that are feeling the pressure from first world countries to say, we're all transitioning, get on board. And they're like, well, we haven't even had the same level of, you know, equity to, to make the strides you've made. We haven't had our turn yet. Like yeah. I've heard that said that way. And that's really interesting. Like it's sometimes from a very privileged position that we, well, it's not sometimes, it's from a very privileged energy flush position that we make these statements and then try to push it around, <laughs> which I, I get where it's coming from, but you do have to look at individual paradigms to really appreciate that. Well, maybe we're at a different point in that cycle. <laughs> And, we have the and luxury of even talking about it, actually. <laughs> luxury is a good word. Yeah, we're very lucky. But we also have a responsibility as well yeah. because we're on the forefront to be able to push it forward. And I think that's really where the conversation is now as well. I mean, you look at the sustainability officers in the major oil and gas companies, what they're trying to do by looking within their own organizations, finding those efficiencies, those places they can reduce water usage, reduce emissions, all those things. It's it's a huge effort that's underway. And we need those big players on board because, of course, when you look at Canada's emissions, the energy sector is a huge part of that. And there's no way Canada can move forward and reach those 2050 goals without the energy sector doing a huge part of that. No, I love I love that narrative of like this, like we're going to stop this whole thing over here and start a new one over here that will be different. That's not realistic. It's a nice narrative that maybe gets floated around, but who better to make these changes than the organizations, and the groups and these these massive organizations and with the weight and the money and the resources and the really smart people to be able to do it probably faster than anybody else. I, I choose to buy into that narrative a lot more. I think it's more realistic personally. Mm -hmm. Yeah. In the in the business is it less polar? You play, you sit on the business desk. So I'm assuming, I'm assuming, you know, in the world of media, it seems so polarized and it seems so antagonistic in the world of the bit. Do you get away from that a little bit sitting in more of the business conversation than you do maybe out in the main, I just mainstream media. I'm not even sure how to categorize what I'm asking, but <laughs> business seems a little bit more about there's what's actually happening or not versus the broader media landscape. that seems a little bit out of control sometimes. I think that would be fair. I mean, it's it's really easy to keep things on the straight and narrow when you have hard numbers because it's really hard to argue with them. But at the same time... <laughs> but yet people uh, love to still argue with them. <laughs> yeah. Passions do come into play. I mean, you, we have a lot of drama in the business world as well. When you look at the big mergers and acquisitions that happen and, you know, I love the idea of... I don't know. It's almost like a movie sometimes when you see companies try to take over another company. That whole Roger Shaw deal became quite a bit of drama as well. Even um, when a company goes after another and the poison pill or all, you know, there's a lot of... Okay, fair enough. Yeah, no, right on. Yeah, absolutely. There's movies made about it. <laughs> exactly. Thinking about classic Wall Street that we all watched at some point in our life for being, being, being in business. And are you seeing more or less of that? Like in far as, you know, obviously our energy sector has gone through a huge transition from just the amount of junior oil and gas companies that we had 400 plus to maybe low 100s, lots of consolidation. Where's that trend or kind of from a news cycle perspective? Are you still seeing more of that type of activity as, as we reframe what the energy sector looks like here in Western Canada? 
You know, it's a really good question and one that I asked the man himself, Pat <laughs> McGuire. He's head of Bennett Jones here in Calgary. Yep. So they do a lot of the big energy deals. And he was saying M&As are starting to slow down here in the oil patch. Um, and, you know, a big part of that could be I'm looking at the price of oil on the screen in front of me here at $93.93 a barrel WTI. So it's I think deals are more likely to happen when the price of oil falls because yeah, a lot of companies are looking the, for the, deals. The ones with the bad balance sheets get tested real, real hard, but whenever like rising tides rise all boats, as they say, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So everyone's trying to make their gains right now when the price of oil is like this. And so is the Alberta government. You know, everyone is looking at this oil price thinking, great, hopefully it lasts for a little bit longer. But that's also the other crux of the issue is every time the oil price falls, is we start to have these conversations of the resource roller coaster and how do we get off and we put too many eggs in one basket and now all of a sudden it's up again and those conversations start to die away a little bit. So yeah. I think that's have we seen this movie before, Tara? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, once 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 or twice. What's the bumper sticker? I swear next time I'll save more and I'll spend less on private just to Vegas, I promise, like or whatever the whatever the joke is. In your role, what are you seeing? Of course you can't you can't shake a stick without like the tech ecosystem and the rising diversity and that we have done better. And I know from a dollar's perspective, the energy sector is still carries such a huge weight from a GTB or a contribution perspective. I've certainly seen, or through the people I talked to on the show was there's a so much more going on that seems to be getting some more respect than it did even five or like not that long ago, actually, even three, four years ago, the stories from then are now becoming the realities, whether it's platform or what it picks something around town. Are you seeing that more get on your radar? Like, is it story worthy? Is it newsworthy? Mm -hmm. I think so. I mean, we've got so many great tech companies in Calgary that have really taken root. And I think they've gotten a lot of support and accolades for coming as well. So that always helps. They're more than welcome to set up shop here. Platform's a really great example of that, right? It just, we've also got Benevity. You, you just think of all the names. I think we tried really hard for the big Amazon headquarters, but. Yes, we did. Yes, we did. <laughs> You know, I think it was, uh, yeah, I, yeah, I don't know if that was ever going to be a reality, but I appreciate a good campaign. I'm a marketer. I get it. <laughs> I thought they did a great job with that. Yeah, yeah, campaign, no. And but... sometimes, even if you don't win the business, the campaign got, like, it creates awareness and it gets you on people's radar, which is huge as we reframe maybe the story of, like, what's a Calgary, right? For people that haven't spent time here. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah. I think, I think one thing about Calgary when you're in it, everybody talks about, the characteristics of what they think a good Albertan is, you know, that's that bit of a maverick, the entrepreneurial spirit, um, you know, against all odds, making things happen. And then sometimes I think it's important to step back and be like, if I was in downtown Toronto asking people what they think of Albertan, I think the conversation's very different. So how do we change how we're seen outside as opposed to just how we see ourselves? And I think we're starting to get there a little bit. Is just more? Is it just more exposure? Is it just getting mentioned more often, or is it because we are actually evolving? Like I heard yesterday, I was at a talk, an RBC talk, and they said that the current net new migration in Alberta is four point five percent. So there's a huge amount of people coming here. If those people all have ties and family in other places, I know when I moved here from Quebec many many years ago, I realized how quickly that I didn't know anything about Alberta, and certainly my family knew nothing about the oil industry. Like the gap became really obvious very quick. But until I moved here, I didn't I didn't really realize it because I didn't. It was it was all just hearsay and the the infamous barrel of oil. What does that mean when all you're doing is just buying gas at the pump and no one you know works in the energy sector? It's a very different narrative, right? <laughs> it is. And it's really interesting. Yeah, I think that it's on all of us, I think, to change that narrative a little bit as well, because I think it really helps us to be seen the way we want to be seen if we act that way as well. Mm, yes, yeah, be the change, be the change you want, want to see in the world. When it comes to like from a news angled perspective, like... Uh, 
obviously is there is there a Western Canadian narrative that pulls through kind of in the in in the reporting that you do versus how that might be talked about like even at that level like the individual on the street in downtown Toronto I agree would have a very different perspective of what's a Calgary or what's an Alberta it tends to be more of a redneck brand perspective which is actually not real at all but um, is on a news level is the narrative very different even in how it gets talked about like because there is the infamous East versus West or Central Central Canada or basically Ontario versus Western Canada, that narrative that I get pretty tired of, but it's real and it kind of goes on in the world of media. Is that narrative showing up differently from in different parts of the country? Yeah, it's such a big question. I think it depends. I think there is a bit of a chip on our shoulders, I think, but in some ways- <laughs> I would agree. It, I would agree. It, it can be fair if you consider election night and we already know who's going to be elected before <sighs> we get past Winnipeg, yeah. right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I think sometimes- there is a sense that the voice isn't being heard enough, even though the contributions are great. But, you know, that being said, yeah, I don't know. I think it's just incumbent on all of us to really um, do well and speak well and, you know, have that collaboration that because Canada needs Alberta as much as Alberta needs the rest of Canada as well. It is a unified story, but we love to be, we love to create the us versus them, right? I don't know. That's a, that's a whole other dialogue for another, <laughs> the other day. Got to be careful when you, when you, them, the, another group, <laughs> well, they did that. Okay. Well, let's talk about they, who's the, they, <laughs> who's the boogeyman in your story, but we'd love to do that. Um, back no, the, I would just actually pull on one thing there with please. the increase in um, immigration that we are seeing from other provinces. I mean, I was born in BC and I grew up in BC, lived in Ontario, Yellowknife, you know, I've lived around a lot. And I think it is interesting when you have so many people concentrate in a city that aren't, isn't actually from from here. here. So sometimes you ask someone, how long have you been in Alberta? And they'll be like, oh, eight years. So you're like, oh, you're actually an Albertan now. That's how it starts to feel, you know, where they're not actually born here. But yes. So there's such a huge amount of people that live here that were ne- that weren't born here either. I was about five years. I remember I was here. I moved here in 2000. I went back to Montreal, and about five years later, and all of a sudden I'm like, it was more that not I'm an Albertan, but I wasn't from there anymore. <laughs> like it was, I felt like a tourist, and I was like, oh, and I'm like, yeah, you know what? I'm going all in. I'm 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 Albert I'm Albert now, and it was funny, but it took me about five years, and I just it was more the moment of feeling that I wasn't from where I used to be from that made me realize that I was actually from here now. But that's a sidebar. <laughs> Interesting. I wonder if it's the five year mark. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. That was my own journey because I just remember being in downtown Montreal and all of a sudden feeling like oh. Like it was slightly uncomfortable, but it was more like I felt like a tourist, not someone who used to like, because when you're from Montreal, you, like I'm from Montreal, it's a cool place to be from. It's got a great brand. It's got a great story. And all of a sudden I realized I was a tourist. I was not from there anymore. I couldn't say that without being a poser. <laughs> that was many, 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 many years ago and many versions of, 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 of me ago. Back to the tech storyline for a second. I'm curious, like when I first got into doing podcasting, part of the whole mandate was, hey, I want to tell the stories that maybe aren't getting to the mainstream media that are, that was my own view at the time or my own, my own narrative. When you guys look at story selection and who's going to come on, is it the size? Is it the impact? Is it the dollars attached? Is it that it's being talked about somewhere else? I'm just a little curious of the criteria of, because there's so many things that go on that aren't going to always make it to the news. They're not going to make it to BNN, but they're still slowly but surely, you know, three years ago stories that have now changed our world in, in Alberta from a you know broader system. And we've got more ag tech and life sciences and all things. What's the criteria? And is like, is that, are you getting these on your desk, or is that part of a dialogue of like, is this interesting enough to put on the news? You know, that's a really good question, and there are so many variables. So, some days it's not going to make it on the news because we have a huge 
let's say Roger Shaw deal we need to talk about. It was a bit it was a busy news day. <laughs> right. And it doesn't mean the story itself wasn't good. It's just it didn't fit with the amount of other content we had. And then other days it would fit, but I might have forgotten about it. Or I've also got another 20 pitches. And then sometimes the pitches come in and it's somebody who says, we want to come on and uh, basically promote our company. And I'm like, well, we can't do ads for companies. It's not an advertorial. That gets into a very messy territory pretty quick. Back to the loss of credibility of the world of news media. (laughs) Yeah. So then, but some of these little companies you'd love to have on and you try to prompt them a little bit. Like, what are you seeing that's really new and interesting and different in your sector that you could come on and talk about? And then like one of the ones I, we had a little helium company on and they were talking about, cause I ran into them at one of these um, shows and they were talking about how there's no price point for helium um, mm. because we don't have enough public companies in the helium space and helium is increasing in demand. So it's becoming more and more important. Like we always think of it in balloons or MRIs, but it's also being used in my, in the chip space and, you know, and just the demand for helium is booming but there was all these middlemen that were buying off these companies and then selling it to the bigger guys. And they were trying to reduce the middlemen and have more public companies. So we're starting to get there. Um, but it's just an interesting story of something that's really evolving in that space that most people wouldn't think about. And that's kind of what we And it's funny. For. I've heard the word helium like three times in the last week. And before that, it was only in reference to party balloons or changing oh. your voice when, you know, by doing that ridiculousness when you're a kid. Um, and then like this is literally you're the third or fourth time I've heard someone bring it up. So now I have to go find some guests to have on the show to talk about, to talk about it. Oh, I've got some for you. Okay, perfect. Okay. Th- and this is exactly how you meet interesting people. And from an Alberta perspective, is that like, is that a broader sense of what's happening in this helium space? Or are you seeing that as another emerging, you know, thing to be on the radar here in, here in Western Canada? I think it's something to just watch. It's not huge at this point when we look yeah, at yeah. the scale of our oil and gas sector, yeah, but right. it's it's interesting. It's it's a really interesting mar- and an important market. I mean, if we think about if all the helium disappeared, a lot of our medical devices that we need wouldn't be able to operate. And then it's also being used in some of the space agency stuff. So there's so much that it, it's used for and it's flying under the radar a little bit, but it's a really interesting what do you call it? Resource? Gas? Yeah. I know. I'm not even sure how to categorize it, actually. I'm resisting saying something because I don't know where to put it. <laughs> it's on, Tyler, do more research on, on helium. <laughs> nope, the rabbit don't. hole is deep here in Western Canada. You want to go down the lithium rabbit hole or you want to go down the hydrogen path and what that could be and what's happening. And, uh, you know, I, and, and again, are all these are all those uh, things still getting attention now that oil's at 90 plus WTI, as, as you said, which we've, we've seen this movie before. I've been here since 2000. I've seen this movie a couple of times. Mm-hmm. My wife's been in the energy sector for 20 years. She works with Jerry, actually. That's how I got to know Jerry. Uh, so s- small world, one, de- one, one, de- one degree of, um, uh, one degree of separation. Who's your audience? Uh, uh, you know, like who, you know, uh, when you speak and you're putting a story out there in the world, like who are you talking to in your mind? Kind of who's that ideal viewer profile or how you kind of categorize it? Mm. You know, our, our audience at BNN Bloomberg is a little bit different. I'd say than some of the other places I've worked at, they are people who are interested in business, obviously first yep. and foremost, yep. but <laughs> that, also... that would be a reoccurring theme for sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But a lot of them are their own traders, you know, like they'll have their own stock portfolios and want to know, but interesting companies. You're a source of, re- you're a source of, uh, of data for them. Yeah. So, yeah, there it's very like, and I run into them on the street all the time. In fact, Calgary is our second biggest audience, so oh, I, okay, I right <laughs> find it interesting. Yeah, how much Calgary watches BNN Bloomberg because it means we're doing something right, I think, and I hope. But um, in general, 
It's also yeah. the, bi- the biggest small town ever phenomenon at work. I also believe. <laughs> I kind of love that about. Yeah, Calgary. it is. It is yeah. absolutely the big, a big, a big small town. Um, and his biggest market being Toronto. Yeah. I I was gonna I thought I could boldly guess that one. <laughs> based, yeah, based Bay on Street, that. right? But- yeah, of course. But to know that <clears throat> uh, you know Calgary, Alberta is second. That's uh, no, I, I I love to hear that. As you know, I'm very pro. I'm very pro Calgary, pro pro Alberta. So in your own kind of viewpoint, and this is a little bit crystal ball. What is see that? Is there anything you see starting to cycle up a little bit? Like oh, I'm starting to, you know, I really love what you said about we're starting to get a little bit on the same page, which I think a lot more better, <laughs> a lot more will happen <laughs> positively when that is, when that is the case. As much as controversy makes for makes for good headlines, it doesn't always make for good forward movement. When you're looking at things that are starting to pop up a little more, you know, beyond helium that you haven't seen in the last couple in the last year or so, what's on your radar? What's what's starting to show up more? You know, I think the emphasis on technology has been there for quite some time. We just don't know what's going to come out next. But we we see the way that technology is changing the agriculture space, the way it's changing oil and gas. And it's becoming, when people don't think about Alberta as a tech space, I think they miss that, that all of these huge industries that maybe seem a little more historical, you know, farming the land or pumping for oil and gas. The the energy sector, the amount of innovation that's had to happen over the years is mind blowing. (laughs) Yeah. And just the number of really smart people we have working in these sectors, you know, the, the education, the engineering and all of those coming together, I think is going to create some really interesting things. And I mean, even in the renewable space, we have a lot of people from the energy patch working in that space as well. So there's a lot of crossovers that are happening that are going to help find those next big innovations. Mm. I was I was at a I was at a th- yesterday, and you know Sandy Gilbert from Intergen was talking about like let's like let's stop even this mistake of sometimes referring to technology as a sector mm-hmm. versus an underpinning of every other sector that exists. And you use a great reference, like a lot of people that are involved in ag don't realize how technologically advanced. Oh, it's just farmers planting stuff in the field. I'm like, whoa, that is, you know, you know, GPS and 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 crop mapping. That was playing a role there 20 years ago. Yeah. <laughs> let let alone what they're what they're able to do today with kind of visualizing. Um, AI, big buzzword, floats around everywhere. Means everything, means nothing at the same time. Uh, in real hard business context, are you seeing that term show up, or are we still new to having it really have true monetary impact on some of these sectors that you've even just chatted about? I think we're seeing it show up. I mean, at the end of the day, everyone's trying to figure out exactly how it works and works best for them and their industry. I think um, it could be problematic in my industry just because the way you see it populate stories so quickly and what that could mean for people who actually do the double checking and write those stories. But I think it has a lot of really great applications when it comes to maybe some of the more rural um, areas like we've already seen when it comes to technology on, on wells and you know stuff we never thought we'd have out in these remote locations and now they're just making jobs so much more um less labor intensive and safer yeah, where, where is it a force multiplier for the role versus where does it eliminate the role and i think there's some definitely there's no question there's fear around that i think right rightfully because we don't know yeah it's powerful. Okay. Dot, dot, dot. What does that mean? You know, in our world, we're seeing it kind of, our team is using it and embracing it to, you know, write copy faster or work on their social media posts. It has not in any way replaced anybody, 
has it augmented or has it increased output, which we all chase. Remember, remember, remember the promise of technology making all our lives easier so we can work two hours a day and eat bonbons? I don't see, <laughs> I haven't seen that materialize. Doesn't sound like it's in your world either. And, you know, this just means like, oh, you know, we can get more, we can just get more done in the same period of time, which just seems to be like the endless um, treadmill. Do more with less. Yeah. The usual, <laughs> yeah. Says, right? more with, do, do, do more with less, which I get it. So that's be interesting to see how it plays in, in you know, in, in, in Alberta. I um, actually just had a little, bot suggestion i don't know what you call it on linkedin and it was like can we go through your profile and change things and i was like yeah go for it and i accepted all their changes why not oh interesting it was kind of neat that they reached out and wanted to change things I do think it's also very subtle how it's sneaking in. Like, you know, I use, I use Google and it, Google's been writing, helping me write my emails for like the last year and a half. And no one flew up a flag and said, oh, AI is now being a tool that you use, you know? And uh, I was joking with an investor the other day that I wanted to put, you know, AI assisted or AI enabled on my uh, LinkedIn profile simply because I used it to help me write my emails. And I used ChatGPT because we were joking about how many companies are just bolting the word AI into their pitch decks <laughs> and without actually going, this is, what are you even doing? This is not even relevant to what you're doing to increase valuations, which is another scary trend. <laughs> and for me, as like my undergrad was in English literature, my first one, and I, mm. I was such a spelling nerd and everything. And now I find I text so quickly and I expect that text will just fix it for me. And sometimes when it doesn't, I'm a little bit horrified. My spelling is, was never great. It's atrocious now. Like I'm so reliant on the thing to do it for me. That's anyways. Yes. I hear you loud and clear. I'm trying to slow down and reread my text before they go. Cause I have to, you know, when you're sending the follow-up, like, sorry, what I actually meant was I'm like, I could avoid that whole step. <laughs> oh, I did that last night. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and everyone who's listening is rolling. Cause they're like, ah, we've all, we've all done it. Um, what are you the most excited about when you think about Alberta and like, you know, being in, in, in the role that you're in and what you're seeing, is there anything that really kind of <laughs> blows your back that you're like, oh, I'm excited that where this is headed. I think a lot of things. I think we're at the forefront right now of what's coming, you know, and mm. I at think the forefront ev- of what's coming. Da, 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 I like that as, just as, as, a, as a talking point. Yeah. End it right there. Yeah. But, you know, I just think there's also a growing um, cognizance that every, like, okay, so here's an example. I had a conversation with somebody recently who posted something on Instagram, you know, those stories that flip through quite quickly. Yes. And the first one was very anti-oil and gas, all about, um, you know, the industry should be paying for all this and how dare they. And her next thing switched over and it was just landed in London. It was a picture outside of her plane. And I I had to pull both of those (laughs) together and say, you know, (laughs) this is, you are the reason the oil and gas sector, we all are, because we're using this product. (laughs) And your next image was essentially you saying, but I use it all and a lot more than most people by using all this jet fuel, you know? And so (laughs) how do we as citizens- That was intentional or did you call her on the two? I'm- Oh, I called her on the two. Okay, it wasn't because I appreciate someone who goes, hey, I'm saying this, but let's be honest. Like, I I appreciate that narrative, but that was not the case. I got it. (laughs) No. And so I think, and once I said it, she's, she was like, oh yeah. So I think there (laughs) is that growing sense of that demand is there and that demand is being supplied and we're all to blame a little bit. And now as a collective, what do we do if we really want to reduce what we're talking about and not just point fingers elsewhere? it's that realization that we're all benefiting from something that it's easy to point a finger at and, and villainize when in reality, if you take a balanced perspective, which takes more effort and more thought process, what is that? You know, the sign of true intelligence is to hold two opposing ideas in your mind simultaneously and balance them out versus just running to one or the other. Easy to say when you and I in passing, but to do that when you're intaking information from the news that can push you in a direction or be biased in some way. And then it, 
tweaks you and you jump on it, not always looking at the broader perspective. It's, it takes a little more effort and energy to do, especially at the pace we all run around. <laughs> yeah. And that's where just even bringing it back to the beginning again, where do I think things are going? I think we're now at that point where there's that common thread happening right now yeah. where everyone's pulling it together, their own demand for things, where it's coming from and why it's all needed. And, you know, trying to find that middle ground now that we can all move together and reduce as a whole, as opposed to just asking someone else to do it. Hmm. Which I would say, you mentioned the World Petroleum Congress. That seemed to be a theme that I was hearing, or certainly the news feeds were picking up that theme of like, hey, we're moving in a positive direction, but this isn't going to be overnight. This is going to take a while. The world is nowhere near peak Mm -hmm. energy. Like we're still demanding more and more, like even more than we did before COVID. So let's, let's be honest with ourselves and keep moving in a positive direction. That feels so much more sensible to me. I don't want to be old fashioned, but I could buy into that storyline a lot better than the, oh, this is all bad or that's all good. I'm like, there's no such thing as that. (laughs) Yes. I love that. I love the middle of the road, realistic, sensible. You know, it makes me sound very And willing to have hard conversations on either side because that's part of the game, right? Because don't don't mistake sensible for easy. I'm not saying that in any way. (laughs) Mm -hmm. No, that's such a good point. Yeah, I think, but I have really a lot more confidence in the last six months that that's actually happening. I really love, and the amount of volume of people that you talk to and the frontline kind of perspective that I hold a lot of weight in that. So that, well, this has turned out to be a very positive kind of big hug kind of show, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) Tara, that was, Tara, I mean, sorry, uh, so lovely to talk to you. Thanks for taking the time out of being on the other side of the interview to let me kind of just have a conversation with you and pick your brain about the things that you get to see and the perspective you have on Western Canada and my bias to this amazing city and province that we live in. Well, thank you so much for wanting to have me on. I appreciate it. Oh, it's tons of fun. And if anybody's not sure how to find you, where where should they where should they head to get the latest breaking stories on in your world? Mm-hmm. Oof. Um, okay, so I am at Tara N Weber on okay. everything. So that's okay. my Twitter. That's my. I, can we call it Twitter anymore? That's anyway. That's the big. X. I'm not. I'm not sure what to call it anymore. Elon Musk's Go Sideways project, but we can. Well, whatever. That's me. I don't. I don't know. I don't know who else. What else you want to call? It. <laughs> yeah, but it's Instagram. Um, what are the all other the, ones? All LinkedIn. The, all, all the channels. Yeah. Okay, fantastic. Mm-hmm. Uh, amazing, Tara. Thanks for your time. Enjoy your day. Get back to doing the busy things that you do running around, and uh, we will chat again. I'll say that boldly. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate it. 